podcast these days with, do you remember the very first class you taught? That I taught? Oh, boy. That's, that is good. That is a good question, my friend. Uh, I taught... <laughs> no, that's actually awesome because it's really making me realize how long I've been teaching. There was a, a, a whole, like a, several years in Chicago where I was coaching, but I wasn't teaching a class. Do you know what I mean? Like I was coaching groups, independent groups or Herald teams, but I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't in like the curriculum. And I'm trying to remember, I think it might have been when I was performing in Las Vegas. I want to say I was on the staff because that's when I train, I, I, I taught in the training center at uh, Second City, Las Vegas. So that was, the year was 1871. No, it was, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think that was like 2002, essentially, uh, 15 years ago. Yeah. But I was, but I was improvising, and obviously before that, and I was coaching. But I think that's the first time I was teaching, yeah. Was that a Second City program that you were teaching then? I was. It was a Second City Training Center, Second City, Las Vegas. Yeah. Did they give you any support to go out teaching that? Or is that something they were just like, here's a syllabus? Oh, yeah. They gave uh, – I, I felt supported in that. I knew – I had gone through the Second City program in Chicago, so I had done the program. And then I was teaching something very similar. The challenge was that in Chicago, students who usually come to the program – it might be taking other places they know a lot about either improv or are coming in like with a little more background. But to be honest, the, what the Vegas uh, students had lacked in exposure from other schools or other training, they made up for in spades in terms of enthusiasm. I think the students I had in Vegas were so excited that somebody was teaching improv. And uh, especially if they had been doing improv in, like, smaller groups out there, they were excited to, A, meet each other, and, B, be in, like, a formalized training program. That's also, um, I feel like when you get those communities, they also have, they bring more, like, life experience, perhaps, or more, you know, because they're not so focused, yeah, like, they're not so focused on the comedy part or, like, getting cast, et cetera, et cetera that they have these really cool, robust lives, and then that comes out in the improv as well. And it just, you find, I find that, I find some really great scenes I don't think I would have seen otherwise. I agree. I, I couldn't agree more, Lauren, especially because, you know, it's Las Vegas. It's not a typical city, you know, and everyone's always curious about Las Vegas to begin with when I was living there. And then you meet people, you know, they're living their lives in Las Vegas. So, you know, this was something, we're doing for fun. They loved it. They were good at it. And we we found some really, really great performers in Vegas. And I, I'm still in touch with, like, a whole group of people. And, oh, my God, I just love them. Like, it really is – it really was wonderful for me, the training center uh, there, because the people I, I'm still in contact with. In fact, the first class I taught – there was a woman in my class, and when I saw her, I was like, oh, my God. Because at the time, she had been on the first season of Survivor, and her name was Susan. I don't know if you know 
her, but on the show, I, I don't watch Survivor regularly, but I did see the first season. And I, I remember she was kind of painted like with the evil brushstroke, you know, and she was like, and there she was in my level one class. And I was like, <gasps> and, um, and she couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> Um, but it was so funny to see, like, all, I mean, all, like you said, all people from all different jobs, all ages, the age range was much wider, um, and I really appreciated that, and I, and it was nice to be appreciated, do you know what I mean? Uh, so it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. When you started, like, the improv journey, did you think, teach, was teaching ever on your radar, or was that just something that came about as you started going further and further? Oh, will they ever ask, will I ever be asked to do Armando? That was like the first thing for me. And then it was, I wonder if I can get good enough to be on a touring company. Those were like two hand in hand. And then once I started doing both of those things, I was like, oh, I got offers to coach. And then I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm good at this. I'm good with people. I I'm, I, I know what it's like to be coached. Um, I had gone through Second City in Prevalympic and Annoyance all at the same time. So I had, I had a whole range of different teachers and experiences very recently that I could draw from. Yeah, totally. It was a lot. It was like, yeah, like in a train where it's like, Ugh. um, so it was, um, like have those offers. And I think it was through coaching that I was like, I would love to teach. And, um, and then it didn't, and then it didn't really happen until, Vegas, but then it happened. Then when I moved to LA, I was teaching at IO West, and I did some workshops at um, Second City Hollywood, and so then then I was doing a lot more teaching once I moved to LA. So that's it. Feels like that's something that's going to be part of you no matter what. Now also, like you're, that's you love it. Like you're doing, you're even doing, yeah, you're even doing yeah. things now where you're training teachers to be teachers, right, or coaches to coach, or what? That's right. That's right. I um I, I really like that. In fact, we'll be doing that at camp this summer. Uh, you know, which is very exciting. Um, but I yeah, it's great. I and what's funny now is actually I've gone back to coaching only, and I am not teaching in at IL West or Second City Hollywood or anywhere formally right now, just because I was working and it was too uh, hard of a commitment. But what's easier for me coaching is I can do two hours as opposed to three hours. And then, you know, usually people tape the shows and email it to me and then I can watch it and give notes via email and things like that. So I, now I'm, and now I'm working more with established groups rather than uh, teaching a level at a class. What, how do you think your philosophy on teaching and coaching has changed? And, and what is your current philosophy if you've thought about it? I would say uh, it has changed. It, it, I, I think it has changed over the years. It, first of all, it's changed in that I've been able and fortunate enough to coach and teach people of all different abilities. And people, I think, as coaches tend to bring their own personality, of course, to the class, whatever curriculum they have or whatever team they're coaching. And I think um, initially I was being the coach or the teacher I wanted to have. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I was probably more encouraging than I was critical. I, cause I remember more what it was like, uh, being a student, you know what I mean? And I think some teachers and coaches, they forget what it's like to be coached and taught. And, and so I started being very much the coach or the teacher I would want to have. 
um, in how I delivered what I said, in the lessons I wanted to give, um, in, in the feedback I gave to people. Um, I, I'm pretty specific with how I talk in that I try not to say like, well, the problem you have is, or what's wrong here is I try to, and I know it sounds dumb, but I try to use words like, well, the challenge we have is, or your challenge will be, um, I try to put a positive spin on things. And I think over time I've become a little less, um, well, I don't know if, well, a little less what, but I know I've become a little more direct. Um, I'm definitely more direct in how I give notes. I'm definitely more direct in encouragement too. I will say things flat out like this needs to be better. And then I just let that stand. Do you know what I mean? And then we're going to, we're going to do it. In my day when we were, you know, who cares? Um, so, um, and one thing I've definitely become more now, and I say is my philosophy is I try to meet students you know, whether they're students in a program or a team that I'm coaching, I try to meet the students where they are. So right now I'm working with a team, for example, that is pretty new. It's a, it's a team at Improv Olympic that is on the, on the DCT, like, which is one of the smaller stages. They are a new Herald team that was assembled by the theater. So they didn't put themselves together. And they have various skills. And they are trying to figure out who they are as a team. So that's where I meet them. I try to figure out what their strengths are I as good as possible and try to break that down so we're all speaking a common language about what we want out of the forum we're doing as well as, you know, how, uh, what, what makes it work. And then I set a certain bar in terms of expectation for their shows. Two shows ago, I was not excited. I, I was disappointed with their show. And in the notes, I was like, you guys, I... I bet you're disappointed. I'm disappointed in watching the show. I know we can do better. And then we talk about how to fix it. Cause I think there's no sense in harping on things that don't go right. Unless you talk about how you can fix it. Then on the other hand, I'm coaching Heyday, which is like a, a team full of veterans. Oh, and by the way, that team blue bellies had a fantastic show this week. And I was so proud of them. Um, because they rose like they, they, we just became more specific about what we needed to work on. And they rose to the challenge, which is where they needed to be. Now, Haiti, on the other hand, is like an established veteran team. They are incredibly savvy. They are all been doing this for as long as I have, you know. And so for me to give them notes, it's kind of like two shows that are often very seamless. And they have a language with each other now. They've been team of the year for many years. So... But how do you continue to challenge them? So where I'm meeting this team is at that level. So now I, my challenge is to bring them challenges to up the ante on their form, which is the Herald, which is a vertical Herald. And we created that form together, which was part of it. And now we're tinkering with it. Now we're adding new challenges to it. And the Herald is very malleable and wonderful. So I am trying to raise the bar of expectation for them not only as a team, but also individuals. So they really feel like they're doing the best work they've ever done. And I think I'm catching them at that time, and I love coaching them. And, um, I, and all the groups I coach, it's just different. I, I have to meet them where they are and then try to bring out and challenge them, uh, not only with the content of what they're doing, the form of what they're doing, but their individual skills and their communication as a team. It's a lot. It's a lot, you know, and then I'm coaching some independent teams. What's great now is while I'm waiting to see if this show I worked on has picked up, 
I'm, I'm coaching some independent teams that have different goals and don't do the Herald and are making their own form or like each other as people, but it's not working as improvised. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, a, it's interesting to be able to see what people need and then how to meet them there. What are some strategies then that you use to help get that conversation going? What do you have? Do you have like exercises that you're going to use regardless of where they are? Or is it really just a case by case? And then um, some of the conversations you have to have to sort of get them to get them going, especially with the newer, like I feel like even, especially with the newer, younger teams who they may, I really like the idea actually um, start that over. <laughs> the, t- the teams that are pieced together that are sanctioned by a theater, what are some strategies you're Im- using to help them come together? Because they didn't choose to come together. They were put together. They were cast together. Well, what I usually do is I want to, I, you know, since I'm not taking a single uh, approach to every team in every situation, which some people do, they're like, well, this is how I do it. And here it goes. And you will, this is, this is what I teach and blah, blah, blah. I don't do that. So what I want to do first is hear what they have to say. Like, so usually in the first rehearsal, I want to know um, what have they been doing? Like, you know, usually with the new Herald teams, I know it's the Herald. How has it been going? What do they want uh, to improve upon? And usually from that discussion and that first rehearsal, I'll get a good vibe as to how they communicate with each other, how they talk about each other, um, what the trust level is like. Um, and sometimes, you know, I will just start with some exercises that I know will do good scene work first, because the reason is, is because no matter what form you're doing, if the scenes aren't good, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Like nobody will ever come to you over at the end of a show and be like, wow, you really did a great Herald. The scenes were terrible. Or like, you did a textbook Herald. Like, nobody will ever say you did a textbook Herald. Like, what they'll come up and say, oh, my God, that character was so funny. Or, oh, that moment when you did this. Or, oh, when you called that back, or you played that game, or you heightened that. Like, but that comes from good scene work. So first we start with good scene work. And I usually try to make, um, like, one or two goals for the first show. So that I could see how they play together and how they apply what we worked on. And then also, I like to do with the newer teams, if you don't rehearse, you don't perform. Um, You can be there, and we'd love for you to be there and pull the lights or watch the show. But if you're not rehearsing when the team is new, it's just, it's unfair then to try to come in and do a show then these are teams that have weekly shows. So it's not like they're not going to play for like four months at a time, you know? So, you know, so they're doing a lot of shows. So we, we've, with the newer teams I'm with now, if you don't rehearse, you don't perform. Uh, but you're there to watch or take, no, you know, take your own mental notes about what your team looks like, which is a good exercise. I recommend it to watch, especially established teams, to see what the team looks like when they're performing. Um, but uh, to watch the show, or to take, you know, pull lights. And then from there, we'll tinker. Like, then I'll just adjust. I'll be like, oh, okay, the scene work is good, but the support is not there. Or if the support is there, but they're rushing, then we'll do work on that the next session. So I really go with the, with my Herald teams. I know the goal is to get the form to a place where they are challenged by it and, like, beyond excited to do it. 
But to get there, we've got to put the fun back in it and we got to have specific goals for each part of the form. And so that's what I try to do. So when you're in the blur of a herald, you can say, it's the game slot. Okay, we're looking for a pattern, we're looking to heighten it, then we're looking for consequences. Like little things, three things or two things that they can hang on to to be like, right, this is right, okay. This is what we're doing now. <laughs> um, so, you know, so then we just break it down. We break things down. So over the course of hopefully several weeks, they'll feel like, oh, this is improving. <laughs> they could with uh, on stage. And I do encourage the team to hang out uh, without me. Like, you know, fun times, do stuff together. Because that, that is an intangible that they have to find together. I can't stress that enough. Uh, you know, you can't, at the same time, you can lead a horse to water. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. You're so right. I mean, you can only, you know, and if they don't want to do it, it's like, well, that tells you something about the team. And, you know, there have been teams I've called out and been like, if this is a team that just wants to, you know, pardon my friend, F around, and, <laughs> you know, you guys just want to fuck around, do shows, whatever. Okay. Like, but if you want to get better as a team... And you want to move to the main stage or you, like if it's at I.O. or you just want to do better work, then we have to expect more. Like and that's that you have to try harder and you've got to do more. And that's and that, you know, most times that people are like, OK, like because they don't once they know somebody is expecting something of them, they're like, oh, OK, then they want to do it, too. <laughs> um, but you know, I have to be the bad guy. I have to be the one guy. You can do better. And I also have to be the one that if they have problems with each other, they can come to me first. And then I can be the mediator because they shouldn't be like giving notes to each other or confronting each other or harboring resentment towards the way someone is playing or the moves they're making. Like I need to be the buffer for that so I can address it. Yeah, it's just really interesting. Like we, one of our teams, right, we're literally working right now on like, just have fun because <laughs> like they get, they've gotten so caught up in, we didn't follow the rules of the structure. We had just, we all, we'd all agreed upon this opening, but then someone, something happened and didn't follow that rule. And the whole opening became a different opening and that throws them off the entire show. Where I am right now, I prefer teaching than I do to coaching right now um, because I can work specifically on a student, on an individual's goals. Um, they're still, they're learning stuff. Not that you never stop learning, but like the Herald team players, they have a good grasp of Herald at this point, And now they're just, it's honing and growing in that way. And I find I get more frustrated with those people, though, than I do my students. So what do you do with people, then, who are, like, really resistant? Or you, you may not – your approach may actually stop this, but people who are resistant to feedback and taking notes. Yeah, that's um, – my in my experience, I, I haven't found people who are, like, well, I'm not going to take that note. But I do have people who, like you said, already have a body of work or like have a way of playing or come from a particular school that asks them to start a scene a certain way or behave a certain way or play a certain way. You know what I mean? And so that's what I come up with the most is like, um, oh, well, I learned it this way. 
because this school does it like this. And, and I'll be like, okay, well, okay, we could try that. Like, but usually what I'm with a team, what I'm trying to do is like, I just want us to try this first. Like, let's like, for better or for worse, you've hired me as your coach. So this is what comes with me. Like, and if you guys decide as a group that you don't want this to go, then totally, I get it. And thank you. And it's been nice meeting you. (laughs) But if you want to be coached by me, I want you to try this as a team and I want, I want you guys to get behind it and give it your best shot. And then if we feel like it's not working or this isn't suiting you, let's change it. You know? Um, so we just kind of had that, like if it's, a, but if it's a team sponsored by a theater, like the teams that are like one of the teams I'm with is, you know, that team from IO, I'll be like, but we're an IO team. So we're going to play in an IO style. And so there's always, I can always say that, like, you know, it's the style of the theater, but most times I'm like, I'm asking you to buy into what I'm selling. (laughs) And I'll say it just like that. I'll say, I'm asking you to try this and I'm asking you to give it a shot. And usually when everyone buys in, even if they're like, no, right. Like I'm asking you to try, it goes back to, I'm asking you to try harder and I'm asking you to try something new. And if they don't want to do it, Usually that person doesn't end up on that team, not even if I'm not the coach, because eventually they just want to do other stuff. That is not what what that theater is doing. But by and large, I find people will like it when they find out that it works or that they're successful in it or they have shows that they enjoy. And then they're like, oh, okay. Then even if they don't play that way everywhere, they'll play like that at that theater at for that show um, and in, to serve the team. You know, so I kind of go off of that. I, um, you know, but I do, it is much easier to teach brand, brand new um, or teams that make fine to them or that like most of the players obviously know me or know my style of play. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it, it's a buy-in. It's a buy-in. It's basically being like, okay, I'm asking us to try <laughs> and we'll see. You know, but there are teams where I'm like, let's try this opening. If, if let's try this that we've been working on. And if we don't like it, we will change it. You know, if it's not a Herald, it's like we can, and even if it is a Herald, we can make your opening, whatever suits you, but let's try this and see what we like from it and then build on what we like. So it's all like, we all, we take what we, it's like a cafeteria. You take what you like and you discard the rest and then you try to build on that, you know? So that's what we've been trying to do. Uh, well, how do you handle when choices come up uh, in scenes that are like racist or sexist? Do you stop them right away? Do you let them play out and then have the conversation? What's what's your what's your style on that? That's interesting. You know what's funny is that I probably have had that very few times. That might be part of the fact that I'm in Los Angeles and it's very you know liberal, uh, you know uh, politically open city that talks about these issues a lot, you know, but I, I have had things come up sometimes that seem inappropriate and usually it totally depends on the tone of the scene at hand. If I'm watching the scene and I'm in a rehearsal and, and someone looks really uncomfortable, I'll be like, Hey, can we pause for a second? And then just talk about it. If, if it's on stage, I don't stop the show. Like that would come in notes, you know, obviously I'm not going to be like, stop. Um, Unless somebody, like, left stage and never came back, I'd be like, oh, boy, and then go backstage. But I've never, knock wood, had that happen. Um, what, but I usually, um, I usually let people talk. 
because I want them to communicate with each other first to be like, okay, like that rang, I might say something like that rang a bell for me personally. Um, even if it was unintentional that, you know, you talked, uh, or made a move in an inappropriate way, but to be honest, I haven't had a really serious moment. Luckily that hasn't been able to be worked out by people being very honest with each other. Um, I have, however, had students and team members come up to me privately and say, I feel like, especially ladies who have been like, I feel like I am always being made a prostitute or a whore or I'm getting completely steamrolled in scenes. And sometimes if I've noticed it too, I, you know, I'll be like, we have a discussion about it that I will initiate. Um, with that person. And then I will, then in the rehearsals, I will try to make a point to give specific notes to find call it out when they're there, because if they're not rehearsing, they're not doing shows. You know what I mean? And so we can deal with it there. So hopefully we can nip it in the bud. And then if it still doesn't, then I'll meet with that person separately and be like, look, this is a problem and we need to, uh, resolve it. And like, I'll be like, I'm coming to you to talk to you about this. This is for me, you know, and as, as your coach, I'm not speaking on anyone's behalf, but my own. And so then I, I feel comfortable to give my own opinions, but if someone is really upset about it, then, then I try to get, I try to speak to both individuals separately and then get them to be able to both speak together. And then once that's resolved, have the team speak together because it, I, I think it's like a, to me, it's like a, it could be about something dumb. It, it, it could be about something not uh, inappropriate, but rather like somebody's dating somebody's ex, like a stuff outside of improv that is affecting the team. You know, it's such a small incestuous community, uh, you know, stuff like that's going to happen. So I try to make talking to me a safe thing and an open thing where they have, everyone has my cell, everybody has my email, everybody has all my information that we can meet privately, and then I, it's up to me to be the, the link, you know, between those people. But you're also obviously actively in setting up that safe environment for them to be in to begin with. It's on the onus of us, the teachers and the coaches, to create the safe environment so that, te- so that students can feel that they can come to you, also that they feel they can take risks and fail on stage. And that's, yeah, that's super important too because I would um, – Rather than take some really big risks and find out that, like, well, that was a terrible thing. I never want to do it again. But I'd rather them do that in the classroom. Right, right? And you've got to have that team trust where you know your team members well enough and trust them enough that if they play an unlikable racist character, you know that they are not unlikable and racist. You know what I mean? Like that they, they... We should also, though, have the freedom to play horrible people. (laughs) And so the difference is, I think, a lot of the times, are you playing a character? Like, are you heightening a point of view? Is this character you're playing? Or is this something random that came up in a scene that is clearly you talking of you? Do you know what I mean? And, like, that ain't cool. That was, like, a personal attack on the other person you were playing or, like, an insult that was personal. That's a different thing to me. Like, that, you know, but I... I feel fortunate on the team I play on that I know that if somebody's going to be sexist to me and my team is predominantly men that, that I know them as people, that that is not the case. Um, But sometimes when you're put on a team, you don't have that luxury. You don't know how people really feel. And so it requires communication, I think, and, and trying to 
get after it as soon as possible and make it just something we get out there and we discuss um, individually and then as a group so that we're all, again, speaking the same common language. We all know what's okay and what's not cool. And this, I don't know if you found this to be true, but this is also true for hitting each other on stage. Um, like, cause somebody might be like, I had knee surgery. Please do not climb on me. Please do not pick me up. And these are things that we have to address. Like it's, that's also safety, you know, like I didn't feel comfortable when you, like I hit Nick so hard <laughs> in way I can laugh about it. Cause I didn't, I didn't have it to me. Um, but, uh, I hit him so hard in the ear and he was like, you really hit me, but we always really hit each other on stage. Like we always really like slap. But I got him really good on the air, and I was like, oh, my God, Nick, I'm so sorry. And I, and I really went up to him, even though we've played together for years, and he's like, I am, I am so sorry. He's like, it's okay, it's okay. Because he knows I wouldn't, like, try to hurt him. But you, you just don't know on some of these teams when people are manhandling you or whatever. we got to talk all about that stuff. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is that, like, I, my team also, we like to get physical. And the more we, we're getting more and more physical because we're just, that's what we're, we find that we really like it. <laughs> yeah. just this weird stuff. And um, we were doing an opening and we were all, it is, and we, we, we were giving one of our players mouth to mouth. And I was trying to jump over another player and I accidentally, like, we bumped teeth really hard. <laughs> oh. oh, that's the worst. Oh, no. And we were in the That's very the first worst. scene. And even in character, I was like, I am so sorry. <laughs> One thing I'm exploring right now, and I don't know that I have an opinion on it yet. Or um, do you think you, someone should be a coach before they teach? Or do you think it doesn't matter? Um, I don't think it matters if the person is trained well aware of the expectations of the theater in which that they are teaching. I mean, I certainly know some coaches who would have some bad habits that would, uh, if they have to go into a formalized program, those would have to be nipped in the bud. Like, you know, like, I think you just have to really understand the expectations of the theater, the program, um, what it means to be a teacher, what you can and cannot do in terms of like, I mean, some schools, you're not even allowed to touch a student, like put your hand on their shoulder and be like, great job. Like they don't want that. You know, there are like, and those are real things that a theater could get support. You know I mean? um, so I think it just comes down to really understanding what the expectations of the theater are, what the expectations of the program is. And, um, and if they've been a student there and then also, um, like having somebody watching them. Like I, uh, a friend of mine, Peter Fouet, is actually shadowing now Irene White, and he's he's like, it's great because I can watch not only what she's teaching but how the students are reacting, and and I think he'll be teaching at I.O. and I think it's great. Um, because he'll be a great teacher, and um, but I, I think shadowing is really important. I'm sure once he's teaching, somebody might watch some of his classes at first to make sure. That quality control is there. You know, how you're talking, how you're addressing students. Are you getting through the material? Are you there on time? Are you professional? You know, like, all that stuff. Um, so I don't think coaching is the requirement for that. No. Uh, I think that's where I'm leaning, but I'm just, that's why I'm asking everybody. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it would just require a lot of training, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I, and some people I, are probably better at one than the other also. I, I mentioned earlier that you're starting to do some like uh, classes on training the trainer, if you will. So what? Yeah. So 
what advice do you give, uh, like general advice do you give to someone who wants to be a coach or a teacher? Well, a lot of what I talked to you about, all the great questions you've asked me are essentially like, you know, some of the building blocks of it, like how do you approach each group and things like that? Like how do you, uh, what exercises do you do? I, I'm a big advocate of coming prepared, um, more than prepared for your session, which is one thing that I don't think a lot of talk about. And I don't mean just curriculum. I mean like new ways of getting at the same idea. So because like let's say you're using a set curriculum and you're doing an exercise to get to, let's say, making an emotional choice or whatever. And you've done this exercise before. You know this exercise. But for whatever reason, they're not getting it have backups, like, or they're not enjoying it, or it's not reaching them, like, have backup exercises where you can be, like, after everybody's gone, like, does that make sense to everyone if they're, like, yeah, but you can tell it's helping them, you got to come at it a new way, and then that's up to you, like, and so to me, it's, like, I'm not going to plow through a syllabus, there's no sense in me doing that, if you guys, if we can't get to this together, so I try to have backup exercises, that get to a point a different way. And then if I'm coaching, I have I am prepared with with warm-ups for that coaching session and I am prepared with exercises. And then so let's say I watched uh, a team show and I won't just be like, okay, we need to do this and this better. Let's run the form again. Like what I like to do first is usually for the first hour after we warm up is do exercises that target what we need to work on specifically. So if we need to work on heighten, heightening, I'm going to do heightening exercises, like different things that we can do. It might even just be for the first half hour or 40 minutes, but, like, I'm going to, to bring work. Like, I'm going to come prepared. I'm going to, do, I'm going to earn my coaching and teaching dollar by going above and beyond so that way I'm ready. And if I get there and we do something and they're like, yeah, we get it, I, you know, and then I can adjust. Then I'll have something else we can go to. If they get it or they latch on really quickly and I have something else planned, I'll be like, well, we don't need to do this exercise. Let's go to the next thing I've planned. And then if I don't have, if I don't use, you know, if I use certain things or I don't use them, I have them in the hopper then for future, for future things. I've, luckily, I've been coaching enough that I have some exercises I like that I know have worked. But I'm always on the lookout for new warm-ups, new, um, new exercises that target, especially in a herald, uh, things that can help people, like, have that light bulb go on and be like, oh, I, oh, okay, okay, okay. You want me to do this every time? Ah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> 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 right, right. Yeah, I also am always on the hunt for new warm-up exercises. That, to me, is where I'm like, oh. It's so true. <laughs> like, that's, that, that's my bane right now. I'm like, oh, fine, here we go. Let's just do it. Um, I, I scour the Internet. I really do. I scour, and, like, sometimes I'll read a warm-up. I'll be like, oh, I've done that before. But then that makes me put a new twist on it and be like, what if we do this? Like, let's try it. Like, I, I love it. You know, when I first started coaching Heyday, Jamie Moyer would always bring in a tape ball, which is essentially like a taped up giant piece of, like crumpled up pieces of paper, and we'd see if we can hit it as a team individually and keep it in the air for more than 30 times. 
like without it touching the ground. And, you know, that sounds like, oh, of course, like keep a ball in the air. Who cares? But it was really fun. And Jamie's like, you must count together. Like, and it, it became like such a fun thing that now this thing that I think everybody at the beginning was like, tape ball, really? Now it's like, yay, tape ball, because it's like so ridiculous. You kind of make it your own. And now I love tape ball. When Jamie walks in with that tape ball, it's like she walked in with a pie. I'm like, yeah. So you, uh, you're, you're just alluding to what I was going to ask you, and that is like how you keep your own skill sets going and how you keep learning, and that's you're scouring the internet. You're finding other people, uh, ways they're doing it. You're, you're constantly coming up with new things. What else do you do for yourself to keep honing your skills? Uh, I try not to get burned out myself. I try not to coach or teach too much that it's no fun anymore because students can smell that on you a mile away, I think. Like if you were just in it for either the money or because of you have to do it or whatever, like, you know, they, I think they could tell that. I try to, um, I have a good group of friends who have also taught or coached. So if I'm like, oh my God, what are you guys doing these days for warm-ups? Um, I also try to uh, go watch other shows. Um, which I've been doing more of lately that I'm not on a uh, crazy schedule, uh, work schedule, is that I go to see other shows and see what they're doing. Like just on stage will even give me ideas. Um, and, and having a full life, to be honest, like, I mean, I have kids and sometimes my daughter will come home and do like this funny thing, like, you know, like one of those like uh, lemonade, clap, 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 iced tea, clap, 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 Coca-Cola, you know, and it's like, you know, this hand jive thing, essentially. But it's so funny that then I'm like, how fast can you do that? And then like, I, I'll bring it to my team and be like, how fast can we do this in a circle? Like, so dumb, like, because we're like, we just want to do something dumb that takes one minute to like, get our brain out of it. And, okay, now we'll do a focus exercise, or now we'll do something else. But like, Sometimes they're just like, what is it? And, like, it's just fun. I'll be like, oh, my daughter was doing this. Can we do it? Can you be do this better than a seven-year-old? Like, you know, and it's anything, anything, even if it doesn't have to be the whole crux of the warm-up. It could just be the first thing we do that gets everybody, like, just doing something together, you know? It's like, and that's, I'm always looking for, it doesn't have to be a big, thorough exercise. It could just be a spark of something, and it's, it brings fun to rehearsal. Awesome. Um, is there any last thoughts or anything I haven't brought up that you uh, you want to talk about? Well, I would say this, which is um, I, I am trying always to get the team to communicate with me and communicate with each other, whether or not that's happening with me involved or not. You know, I'm not talking about giving notes to each other. I think that's death. I think that's death to a team when the performers start giving each other notes um, for just everything (laughs) it's just terrible um but i mean in terms of communicating like i'll say at the end of an exercise or the end of a rehearsal like what's on your mind how are you feeling can we apply these things to shows okay great and as we come out of so that way we are communicating about you know i don't really like this or like like i'll say flat out is this opening fun for you like you know call out what you see Call out what you see. And then and they should feel comfortable enough to be like, no, not really. I mean, this part is, but this isn't. You know, and why? And then we can figure it out and we can adjust. But if, if everyone's just going through the motions, it's no fun for anybody, right? So I try to keep that communication open and then set goals. Set goals from, for like the team itself, but 
for individuals. Be like, I see you are always breaking on stage. Like, let's talk about that. You know, and be like, let's try not to break. I'll tell you why. Because you're a great performer, and when you do, that distracts me from this awesome character you're making. And I can't invest in that character if you seem like you don't care about it. You know what I mean? And so I'll give an individual note during a rehearsal, and we'll have goals for the team. Like, okay, in games, we're going to really focus on support. Relentless giddy, uh, heightening support. Like, you know, and so we will have goals that we could, then they, before a show, if I don't see them or I'm not there, they can remind themselves of. And hopefully then that they'll take their personal goal and they'll, they'll remember that too. So that's, I think communication across the board can only help a team. It, it, it really is the death of a team too when they don't talk about what they really think or how they feel and, and then it just it shows up on stage.